Um, I mean, I go by my actual name, Danny Patrick. It's not even Daniel. Um, it's just one of those things like my dad grew up in the Alabama. They just went by Danny. They went by Butch. They went by, he has a cousin named Zipper. Things like that. All the women had really old school names like Evelyn, Edna, um, Fran, like names you don't even have anymore or used anything else like that. So my driver's license actually says Danny Patrick. Yeah. And it's a pain the, it's an absolute pain in the ass. I've actually showed up to job interviews where they were expecting Dan Patrick from his like, like, like guy. <laughs> yeah. It, they showed up, they expected Dan Patrick from ESPN. I love Dan Patrick. I've read two of his books. And the guy's just like, wow, this is a fucking bummer. <laughs> I was expecting Dan Patrick. And I'm like, really? You were expecting Dan Patrick for a sales position at GNC? He's like, yeah, man. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not even interested. I'm heading out of here. I don't want a boss like you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that totally works. All right. Um, you asked me what it's like being deaf. Honestly, it's no different. I'm not full deaf. I'm like 50-50 kind of deal. Um, aside from like the mousy voices and stuff like that, I literally hear everything people are saying. I'm actually hearing, let's say, 70% of what you're saying. But the way I kind of think of it is like, if we were presidential advisors right now and we were having a conversation about nuking countries we'd want to hear the exact details you get what i mean yeah sure i don't want to hear the wrong thing and accidentally nuke belgium <laughs> oh that's fair so right? in a case like that in a case like that it's like yeah i prefer like written exactly what is being said in any other case, it's like, what do I answer the wrong thing to some guy asking me directions in the street and he walks two blocks left instead of walking two blocks right? Honestly, that's my that's not my problem. You took the gamble asking someone the directions. <laughs> All right, that totally works. All right, so I am sitting here, and uh, you know, as you guys know, in this podcast, I generally kind of interview top performers in, in the combat sports space, right? So I've had uh, jiu-jitsu black belts, I've had UFC trainers, that sort of thing. My guest now, who is sitting this way, right, he is at the top of the BJJ game, but in a completely different way than you're probably thinking. So he's at the top of the jiu-jitsu game, but in the meme game, right? He's one of the funniest dudes that I follow or have met or anything like that. Like when I'm having a shitty day at the office, I'll just open my phone and I'll like crack open a story and just listen to him and be like, all right, now I'm good. Like I had my quick relief. Uh, he, he totally like broke my day up and made me totally make me laugh. And so uh, I want to introduce my guest. He is your mom's favorite grappler. Uh, and so this is Danny Patrick. So, hey, Danny, I really want to appreciate it. And I really appreciate it. And thanks for coming on, man. The hell of an opening, man. <laughs> <laughs> Actually... Here's the fun part of being deaf. The transcripts brought me up as Jenny Patrick. <laughs> okay. So another fun fact to know about him. So he is, he's, he's only partially I mean, deaf. 
So he kind of hears what I say. Yeah. So if right. I ask him a question, he's like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? It's because he's deaf, <laughs> so cut him some slack. Um, I mean, it's no surprise. Most of my followers and everyone, I kind of make it a point. I make deaf memes also and stuff like that. I'm popular on Reddit. Yeah. Um, most people know I'm deaf. Honestly, it's not something I make as like a four point. But, yeah, I'm deaf. Um, I actually donate to the deaf community and stuff like that. Uh, funny fact is I actually challenged Jason Chambers. Do you know who Jason Chambers is, Eric? Uh, I, I think, but remind me just to make sure I'm thinking of the right guy. He went to Hollywood and he's kind of, like, recognized for, like, exposing his balls. And they were, like, extremely small. It's kind of random, but this is actually what he's known for in Hollywood. Um, anyway, I challenged him to a jujitsu match, 4K on the line. I win. You shed, You send 4K to deaf community. You win. My 4K goes to whoever, whatever charity you like. And he kind of just disappeared after. <laughs> I think it was blue belt at the time, and I was kind of like bummed, like, yo, if you're a black belt, you can scrap me up real quick. Let's make it happen. It's worth a shot, right? Okay. <laughs> so one of the things, like, initially, like, how I started following Danny is he made a meme, and it was, uh, like, you know, like, Hank Hill and his son, and it was the son posting, a, a, like, a, like, a poster in a deaf kid's school, and it said, I don't care that you can't read my hands. I will just lock you anyway. Right? <laughs> and so I was like, dude, how is a deaf guy going to make a deaf joke about wrist locking somebody? Like, that's all kinds of wrong, but it was totally hilarious. I was like, I have yeah, to follow I know this what guy. You're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's one of those things like being deaf, I get to make deaf jokes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, at the same time, I don't think anyone should take themselves seriously enough to be bothered by something like that. Do you know what I mean? Um, we're just having fun. I mean, you make a joke, and given the context, it's whatever. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I remember I made a joke on Facebook about, like, um, slaps head of... Danny Patrick, this guy can't hear a damn thing you, <laughs> you say. <laughs> and given the actual context, it's like, yeah, actuality, like sometimes I'm just ignoring people. But yeah, um, trying to remember the exact lines of that joke. But yeah, I make deaf jokes. I know I made another one about like um, verbal tapping which actually became a thing in a match one time. I broke a dude's ankle because he verbal tapped. And you couldn't hear him? Technically, it was his fault. It's actually kind of funny. And I'm actually was like a good separation. Like we had the pleasantries and everything else like that. I shook his team's hand. There was no animosity. But essentially, he kicked my ass for 14 minutes straight and, um, a no limit sub only match. 
this guy was good. He, like, I had nothing for him for 14 minutes straight, but he took my back, and he's going for the choke, and he crosses his ankles in front of me. What do you I mean, think I'm doing? You have to do I that. I cross right? my legs right over his ankles. <laughs> so I cross my legs right over his ankles and start applying pressure. Um, He starts screaming in my ear. I don't hear it. You can't hear shit, yeah. <laughs> I don't train with my hearing aid. I don't train or like compete with my hearing aid. So he's screaming in my ear. He's screaming, and he's still going for the choke. And I just keep applying pressure, and I hear it. Even being deaf, I hear the pop. The ref hears the pop. The ref's had enough. He breaks it up. Um, it is what it is. I lost 14 minutes of that match and won 30 seconds of it. <laughs> hey, uh, at the end, you get your hand raised, right? That's the important part. Yeah. I mean, we all signed up for the same thing, is the way I say it. For sure. All right. So I have a question. If, if, I, if I'm correct, you're a two-stripe purple belt, right? I'm actually a no-stripe purple. You're, so you're a no-stripe purple. All right. So how often do you skip warm-ups? I, uh, I actually appreciate warm-ups. I got promoted to purple in, I believe, December 7th, maybe, something like that. Almost right before lockdown. I was actually planning to compete in March as uh, my first pro belt competition. That got called off, like, literally everything, if you remember. I mean, we kind of look back at that like like ex-girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a hard thing. Like, I don't want to remember. Um, I'm just going to move forward. Yeah, I got promoted in December after I did a competition and I think it took silver and bronze in the competition. Um, yeah, I I actually am a career-long athlete. I've been – I think I played baseball and soccer as a kid. I got recruited in college football and ended up playing the college lacrosse. After college, I did competitive bodybuilding. I did competitive powerlifting. I did a lot of strongman competitions and stuff like that until I got into jiu-jitsu. So the idea of warm-ups is kind of just like, let me see if I can shrimp faster than this guy. You know what I mean? And, you know, in all honesty, I don't think any of us could shrimp correctly. <laughs> I'm 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 like seven eight years in. And I still think I'm tripping wrong. <laughs> but the good but news I can use one correctly. There you go. <laughs> the good news is you're a purple belt and you're not skipping warm up. So that's the important part. So let me ask you. So how'd you? So you mentioned right? You played. You know, you played football. You played lacrosse. You kind of got competitive bodybuilding. How did you eventually transition into jiu-jitsu? I had a brain injury. Um, kind of actually left me deaf. I'm not going to get into the whole story uh, of like what it is because it's kind of complicated, this, this, and this. But basically, I was in a 12-day coma because some dude cracked me in the head because I said some smart shit. <laughs> um... 
crack my head on the sidewalk. I'm in a coma 12 days. Best sleep of my life. I mean, if I, if I were to recommend one thing, it would be comas. But the process of getting there is a little bit more complicated. Sure. But best 12 days sleep of my life. Woke up invigorated, feeling like a million dollars. Um, slowly lost my hearing from there. Um, almost got knocked out by a cabinet. Actually, like, I opened up a cabinet and myself in the head. That literally, like, I was seeing stars. Um, so I realized, like, head trauma isn't a thing I could do. Boxing isn't something I could do. I've been in so many damn street fights, it's not even, like, a comfortable thing to say. But I can't take a punch the way I could when I was in my 20s. I got into jiu-jitsu really... All right, sorry about that. Each other for a second there. Yeah, I think there are lots of people streaming Netflix, and it it messed up with my uh, internet connection. So give me a minute. Okay, now we're recording. So not a big deal. I think we're back to normal. Cool. Um, what I was saying is, I don't know where I left off, but I had a brain brain injury that left me in a coma twelve days. Um. Captain almost knocked me out just in my apartment. And I kind of realized then anything brain trauma related is kind of off the table. Boxing, MMA, stuff like that is kind of off the table. I went from basically being able to eat punches in my early 20s to literally a captain knocking me out. Jiu-Jitsu, on the other hand, as we both know, how many times do you bang your head in jujitsu, Eric? I mean, other than catching the random knee or something like that, very rarely, right? Sometimes randomly on a sweep, if that. Yeah. Um, random transitions and stuff like that, maybe. Nothing really serious, more than like a bump here and there, you know what I mean? So jujitsu made sense to me. I got into jujitsu. Um I think I was like 25, maybe 24, because there wasn't any brain trauma in it. Yeah, like that's the cool part is like when you're, even if you're just rolling with like or sparring with a friend, like you can go as hard as you want and I'm not going to knock you out. I'm not going to kill you. I mean, worst case, you gurgle a little bit when I choke you, but that's like the worst that's going to happen. Kill people when you're checking your mail. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I have a question. So you're you live in New York City, right? Or you live in you live in Brooklyn? I live in Brooklyn. I live in Bedside, Brooklyn. Um, I've lived in the city roughly like 12 years. Originally I'm from the suburbs, actually. All right. So what's it been like trying? <laughs> there we go. What's it been like trying to train during COVID? Because we're talking in December, and obviously COVID's been going on since March. So <laughs> eight, eight, nine months, like, something like that. 
889 months. <laughs> it's like one of those things that you don't talk about. You know what I mean? All right. Between yeah. me and you, between me and you and whoever's listening, yeah, I've been training since almost March. All right. Can I say anything else? No. Yeah, so you know, <laughs> on occasion, on occasion, you randomly meet friends, and you guys. Um, I think and, I think know. we could I think we could all agree on though, is like it's actually put promotions back significantly. You know what I mean? What's your rank, Eric? Uh, so I'm a blue belt, but you know, I I I understand. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So I'm at least at that level where like. I understand. Yeah, no, no, no. I can respect. I can respect. I can respect anyone who actually gets on the mat and is willing to train with anyone that's also on the mat. You know yeah. what I mean? It's when you get, it's when you start getting picky about like I want to train with him and her and not him and not her. You know what I mean? Those are the people who I'm kind of like. Mm. But you pick out like, dude, I'm a heavyweight. I'll take the biggest motherfucker around. I'll take the highest ranked motherfucker around. Yo, what's the worst that could happen? I get tapped by you? Yeah, no, I, I do right? the same thing, right? I, I, I fight at 160, so I walk around. Are we like on the same page here, Eric? Yeah, I walk around 165-ish, but like a guy that's like 225, I'm like, yeah, I'll roll with him. What the hell? At least I get to work on my defense, right? Like guard retention and escaping them out. Absolutely. Like... Absolutely. So, yeah. But what I mean is like, being you're a blue belt, right? You're looking forward to the next promotion, right? As is everyone. Everyone that isn't a coral belt, right? Yes, and, and just so you know, Danny put a huge that this lockdown put a huge damper on anyone getting promotions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Actually, the biggest trip that I heard so far, you know who Eli Knight is. Yes, I, I've heard the name. I don't know him, but I've heard the name. Yeah, Eli Knight's a great dude, great instructionals, everything about him. Um, biggest trip I've heard about the lockdown so far, considering he lives in Kentucky, Mississippi area, he literally only lost a week of training in lockdown. That's a trip, man. That's awesome. Most of us are all – like, I talk to guys who have been out for – the little eight months that we've been in lockdown. Yeah. Eli only lost yeah. a week. Yeah, I, I, I went, that's like getting that's like taking time off to let a hat to let a tattoo recover. Yeah. Like, I, I went I went three weeks and then I was like, all right. And I tried doing the online Zoom stuff and that sucks. Like there's nothing good about it. So then finally we opened up and now I can still train. Um, but Arizona is a little bit more open than New York, so that's why I was. You're, you're Arizona. Yeah, so I, that's why I was asking, like New York, like what Where is particularly it? in Arizona? Out of curiosity. In Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah. Very cool. It's so dry over there, huh? I mean, for me, so here's the weird thing about Arizona: um, when it's under 110, it's not that bad. Over 110, it's fucking terrible. So people think I'm crazy for saying that because, like, 105, <laughs> you're like, dude, that's crazy. But, you know, 107, that's fine. I can deal with that. But, like, 115, it's awful. It's, 
That actually, considering I'm New York, that actually doesn't sound that bad. Yeah. <laughs> right? I was like, that's what I was trying to figure out. Like in New York, like, because I know you guys have been more locked down than us. Like, so essentially you're doing like, I'm going to go to a guy's house that has mats or I'm going to, we, we rented a warehouse. Like that kind of stuff is how you're training. <laughs> here's actually, here's actually the, here's actually the insider info from someone who actually lives in Brooklyn. All right. Cuomo says a lot of shit. He does not actually enforce a lot of shit. All right. Here's, a, here's actually like the coolest thing I experienced recently. Not this hat I'm wearing, but I have another hat. It says in jujitsu, we trust in gold. All right. I get these guys, random people in the street who stop me and salute me and thank me for my service. All right, and I'm kind of, like, confused, kind of, like, where did I serve? Right? I never actually served in the military, all right? I've held jobs as waiters, and I'm, like, automatically assuming that, like, yeah, I was a waiter, like, six years ago. Did I wait on your table? Some stupid stuff like that is what I think, right? Anyway, the cooler part is I walk up the street to the corner store of the block or I walk up to the train, with the hat on, and the cops will stop me. Right? Not in a bad aspect, but, like, these cops aren't training either. And they'll be like, bro, you train? Yeah, man. And then we'll, like, talk a little bit of shop like that. The one scenario where I got talking to these two cops, one of the cops was a brown belt, the other one was a blue belt. And me being a purple belt kind of in the middle of them, the brown belt and me started teaming up against the blue belt, kind of like busting his ass about it. <laughs> no disrespect to any blue belts, no disrespect uh, to Arrow. Uh, but yeah, yeah it was a funny story where me and a brown belter cop were also busting the blue belt cops' ass about, like, uh, you can't even shrink correctly. That's all <laughs> But since then, I've been stopped by, I'm going to like guess, 10 or so cops just in the area I live in, who just want to talk shop about jiu-jitsu. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying that is a wider range of people who are kind of just desperate to get back to what they were used to doing. And I think that's a big part of what this lockdown is. Because, yeah, I could totally respect you want me to wear a mask into a store and stuff like that. Because I respect that aspect, but you want to take away something that means something so much to a lot of us, to you and me, Eric. Jiu-Jitsu means so much to us. It's sort of like a coping mechanism for a rough day. I think you mentioned that earlier in the opening aspect, right? Y'all can't do that anymore. Yeah, no. And it, obviously, it's great that cops are training jujitsu because that obviously makes them more equipped to handle stuff out in the streets. And I trained with a couple of cops as well. And it's nice to beat up a cop on the mats, but I also like that when they're out there doing their job, which is a really hard job, that they're, they can easily kind of handle the situation. So, and yeah, taking, taking away jujitsu, that doesn't work because I lose my mind when I'm not able to roll. And so if I can just go and choke people for a little bit, I'll be perfectly fine. I'm a, Productive member of society. If you take that away, now that uh, I, I start to lose my shit very quickly. Absolutely. 
I got a funny story for you. Um, <laughs> my cousin's a cop in Jersey. All right. He's like a second cousin. But you know how like second cousins are when you guys got to grow up together. You're basically my cousin. Right. He's a cop in New Jersey. Um, he got called about a school training jiu-jitsu. It's not like he agrees or disagrees with the school training jiu-jitsu. It's like he has to answer the call. Right? It's like if they called it on your school, are you guys hurting each other? Are you guys doing anything that's out of the norm of what you did the last several odd years that you've been training? No. no. Right? No. But this police officer has to answer the call. Because that's his job. Anyway, he answers the call, and it's literally three of the other guys he's in the precinct with. <laughs> Training jujitsu there. <laughs> it's, it's three of his fellow police officers in the pre in the jujitsu school just rolling around training like any of us would be doing on any other day of the week. And they're just like, oh, Oh, are you gonna take us in? Are you? <laughs> is our is our is our fellow police officer gonna take us into the precinct and arrest us? I thought it was the funniest thing ever, because that's literally what it is. Uh, I think all the other jujitsu people, right? I mean, is that what we call each other, jujitsu people? Close enough. I, don't know. I feel like there's so many damn names that goes around, just grapplers and jujiteros. I can't even say that word. I can't even I speak, Italian, I speak Italian, but I actually don't have the accent, so I prefer to not, like, do it. <laughs> but that's literally what it's, like, kind of came into. It's like, this is anything. If you're still training, it's because you've gotten past the fear of this pandemic, right? In some extent. It's yeah. like, yeah, we under, we acknowledge it, but we also understand some aspect of, like, we kind of want to move on with our lives, right? Yeah, and, you know, cops, like, cops have a very hard job, and they have to deal with people doing crazy shit. I would rather that all, of our, that all of our cops are training with us on the mats, because then they're not actually going to hurt anybody. They know how to control somebody effectively and not hurt them, just make sure that they can't move and then they can subdue that person instead of, you know, some asshole going crazy who knows, has no idea what he's doing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, my entire family is like cops, so I come off a little bit biased, honestly, um, because I think of it as like, yo, do you think my cousin could actually do that type of stuff? No. But when I see someone actually do that type of stuff, it kind of shakes me in my core, obviously. Like it should anyway. Um, and it's kind of just like, I don't know how to rationalize that. I don't know. I saw this dope video recently that this cop actually like onboard and handcuffed a dude in Walmart because he smashed a DVD case with something. Do you know what I'm talking about? I haven't seen that one, but <laughs> I, I, I've seen the picture in my head. It's pretty impressive. He literally onboard a guy, fell back on it, and actually handcuffed him. That's awesome. <laughs> it's really like in front of a DVD section in Walmart. 
So things like that are kind of like impressive. So with sort of like, I don't know. I mean, to like, not to like water down anything, obviously, because there's some extent of me, I'm not going to lie. I don't understand. Do you get what I mean by that statement? No, like, like I said, like they have a really, really hard job. And if somebody is threatening your sure. life, you should be able to defend yourself some way, not just say, well, because I'm a, I'm a police officer, I can't do anything. Like, no, that's not right. And so if you're trained, you should be able to use your training to easily subdue somebody. And that's what jujitsu teaches you. Absolutely. But what I mean is, in some extent, I can't comprehend the other side of the coin. Yeah. And I'm not going to try to understand the other side of the coin. <clears throat> Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to. No, 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 you're good. No, like, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't get it either. Because, again, like I said, like, I trained with a couple of cops. And you know how I've, so, avoided, I've avoided fighting cops outside of the mats? I don't fight cops. Like, I, I'm not going to talk shit to them. I'm not going to, like, say you're an asshole. I'm not going to break into a building. That's why I've avoided Absolutely. being arrested for all these years. Uh, I didn't do all that. But. <laughs> <laughs> right? But that's the gist of it is, like, don't do illegal stuff, and then cops won't have to do their job. Yeah, I definitely didn't do all that. <laughs> anyway, to avoid getting political... I think it's a bit of like, I don't understand one side of this conversation, uh, but I'll listen as much as I can. Um, I don't think either side is the demon or either side is the evil, anything like that. Um, I think in some aspect, I do have a bias being like my entire family is police and I kind of look at it like, like, as first-name basis. Like, fucking Steve wouldn't do that shit. Steve fucking... Steve... Steve sack-tapped me last time I saw him. That's what Steve would have done in this scenario. He would have sack-tapped the guy. Yeah. Um, I think it's a lighter-like-if thing if we proceed on to something else, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So, let me ask you this. So... Part of what I look at in this podcast is, all right, how are top guys training? And I know you're a top memer, but you still train jujitsu. So how many times a week do you train? It really depends on work lately. Um, I've gone to training 10, 12 hours a week to sometimes work two, three times. Um, I'm like, I have a habit of like dropping in on schools. I've cross-trained at about 30, 40, 50 different schools throughout the city because I'm New York City. There's Renzo's, there's Marcello's, there's Checkmate. There's all these like awesome schools here and I'm kind of like, overwhelmed and kind of wanting to drop in and train with all these like dope professors, dope guys. You know what I mean? Like, why would you not want to train in Renzo if Renzo or Marcelo if you could? Marcelo is the absolute nicest dude in jiu-jitsu I've met so far. He literally, here's the trip. Marcelo knows the name of literally every student he's ever had. 
<laughs> you're awesome. like, wow, I don't even know like half the names of my training partners. Or so knows the names of every student he's ever had. No, that's the cool um, part about you know, like living Fabio in Comanti. What is that? Say so, like that's the cool part about living in New York, right? Is if you want to do like a drop in and roll with John Donaher or Glenn oh, yeah. Ryan, you you technically could. I mean, not anymore because they moved to Puerto Rico, but six months ago you could have. You would think actually dropping in with John Donaher is actually tougher than you would think. Um, I'm not an RGA. I'm Park Sub Academy of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Underneath Adami and Grosella, who were actually checkmate underneath Fabio Comente. So I'm not an RGA. Um, RGA guys can drop in and drop, train with Donahue. Non RGA guys, it's a lot more complicated. Uh, um, I have to explain that a lot of times to, to people who are kind of just like, yo, I'm going to come to NYC and drop in on and train with Marcelo, Fabio, Donahue, Renzo, um, Babs. That's another name. Um, John Candestan, you name it. Um, but the cool thing on the other side is there's a lot of open seminars in NYC. So I'll drop in on any seminar that's coming around. Um, I think somehow Craig Jones is gonna fuck the UFC at uh, USA again. I bought, I bought Tenth Planet and ITC. Tickets to go see Craig Jones twice in the same day, do a seminar, and instead it's just like, ooh, visa issues because I'm from Australia. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit of a letdown. But all these schools open up, and I actually failed at making an event page that was sort of like, the idea for my events page was to sort of like, Every seminar that's happening in NYC, every seminar that's happening in Arizona, North Dakota, everything else like that, I just wanted to post it so you'll have a page that's sort of like, yo, I get to train with John Gladstein next Thursday. Yeah, I'll totally touch it up. Um, Ronan, the next week, stuff like that. So I did get to drop in on a lot of schools. I did get to take a lot of seminars and stuff like that. Um, that's kind of the damper of the lockdown, obviously. I can't take those seminars. I can't train at my usual, like, hours of the week, things like that. Leg lockers isn't happening. Leg lockers is a great seminar. Um, where do you train out in Arizona? Uh, so, Grayson. Uh, So I what train is that exactly? So Gracie Baja and Awatuki. Obviously, there's in, in the West Coast, there's a bunch of Gracie Bajas because they're kind of spreading throughout the country, but we started in the West Coast. Um, but yeah. Who's your coach? Uh, so it's uh, it's Professor Pugh, so Professor Luis. Um, he's awesome. He has a brother that has a school five miles away. It's interesting. I've heard of him. Yeah, so we get to we get to, we get kind of both of them. We get to train with both of them, and we trade coaches back and forth too. So it definitely it helps you get different perspectives, and that's the cool part about going to a seminar is 
even if you know how to do X guard or you know how to escape the mount, seeing a different guy's way of doing it, it's like that one little underhook detail or whatever. Like that's the cool part about going to those kind of seminars. Let me ask you this. I have two questions for you. Okay. To make this a bit about me and you versus just me. First question, do you have the GB mouthpiece? I don't. I use a, like, I think it's Sousa. It's basically like a flat piece of plastic that you then mold around <laughs> your teeth. Uh, because you breathe way better with those. And I don't want to be all out of breath because of my big-ass mouthpiece. <laughs> no disrespect to GB. I know. They, right. they, they are I very good. I train GB, guys. I think you guys are great. I think the Unity Aspect GB mouthpiece is ridiculous. <laughs> Look, here's what I'll say. Look, they are very good at the business part of jujitsu, right? And so oh, whether, absolutely. whether it's merchandise or marketing or getting new students or all, that's what they figured out. So, so I'm a business guy. I understand why they're doing that kind of stuff. Think about it this way. And this is an interesting question for the two of us. What is a bigger BJJ school slash franchise than GV? There really isn't one. It's an interesting debate. Um, I don't think there isn't, but if we were to like play just conversationally between me and you, what would be two and three? Maybe Renzo's and Tenth Planet. Ten planets out there, maybe Alliance, right? Because they've kind of jammed a bunch of different schools together to make Alliance. Alliance is a good conversation. Um, we don't have an Alliance anywhere near us in NYC. There's one tenth planet in Times Square area. The closest GB to me is Long Island. And there's one in Jersey. Um, there is a checkmate. In the city, there's several RGAs, but I think it's an interesting conversation. Um, GB is literally the biggest jujitsu school in the world. Um, it's way impressive. I mean, Carlos and Carlos Jr., way impressive aspect of how they, how they handle that. Um, what comes even like remotely close at like second and third, maybe RGA, 10th planet. And we're talking about like, we're talking about like far second and third because GBs like cover the entire world. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like yeah. said, they, they figured out the business part of it, which yes, I know jujitsu is very important, but running a successful business is a significant aspect of growing your brand. And so if you can deliver great jujitsu and continue to grow your brand, like that's the magic formula that I think some of the other schools that do have really good jujitsu haven't figured out. They're like, I just got to be great at jujitsu. Yes, but you got to figure out those other parts too. For sure. to spread your word. Out of curiosity, is this the only school you've trained at or you've trained at other schools? No, just GB. So my daughter started when she was three. And she started training and I did like parents and kids class and I was a fat fuck. And I used to go to parents and kids class and I'd like be out of breath. And then finally I was like, 
dude, this is ridiculous. Like I used, I was a college athlete. Why am I so out of shape? And so then I started training jujitsu and then just kind of got in it. From what me. did you play in college and what, how old is your daughter now? Uh, so I played baseball in college and after I graduated, I took a year off because I was tired of being forced to work out. And then I worked out some more and then I got married and had a kid and all the typical stuff. So I basically, I'm 5'9". I was 5'9", 210. The usual. <laughs> right? Like kind of a normal story. So I was 5'9", 210. So I was technically obese. And then I, my daughter started doing jujitsu at three years old. And I did a couple of classes with her. I was like, yes, like this is something I could totally get into. And then I started doing it. And now when I compete, uh, I compete at 160, but I'm probably going to even drop another weight class down. So I've lost 50, 60 pounds. That's interesting. But you, you missed out answering how old your daughter is now. Oh, sorry. My daughter is five and a half. So, and I want her to complete. <laughs> The important question. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I want her to do jujitsu for the rest of her Here's... life because I don't ever want her to have to worry about her safety, right? And that's part of why I got her into it was then she can take care of herself. And, oh, yeah. Right? Like, I there's a 14-year-old at my school, and her name is Andy. She's won the Pan Kids twice. Mm -hmm. If I don't use strength, she kicks my ass. Right. And I'm a grown ass man and she can beat me up. And so if my daughter, when she goes to school or goes to, you know, grows in her life, if she can rip a dude's arm off, I'm all for that. Cause then I don't have to worry about her nearly as much. I have a younger sister who trains. Right. And so do you um, worry about that? Sister I'm a less? heavyweight. I'm a heavyweight. I compete heavyweight. I win at heavyweight. I actually win as like an undersized heavyweight. I think my last competition, I weighed 215 and I beat 260, 270 pound guys. It's kind of funny standing on the podium and the guys are still, still taller than you. But my sister uh, broke her girl's back in the competition. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> she, like, <laughs> well, I heard some people in competition too. I'm not proud of it. I'm proud that my sister like hurt some girl in competition, but at the same time, I do feel the same way. Like she's like 120, and me being heavyweight, I could break her. I've trained with her a dozen times. Yeah, I could break her effortlessly, but I feel the same way as you do with your daughter and the bigger group one pans. And stuff like that is sort of like, yeah, there are tougher people out there than your daughter, than my smaller, younger sister. Um, but here's an interesting topic for you. My sister is pretty liberal. She thinks there's a bit of sexism in the sport and the aspect of like certain guys training with each other. Now, I do understand, yes, there is some sexism in the sport in several aspects and stuff like that. But in what she's referring to is guys training with each other because of the role aspect. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I... I'm around 240 right now. I compete heavyweight. 
I tend to train with the same four guys because they're in the same strength and size ranges, man. Is this sexism or is this a physicality, maybe bro aspect? I don't like the term bro, but you know the type of guy I'm talking about. Yeah. The bros yeah. training with the other bros because they have matching tattoos or something like that. Yeah, I mean, my thing is, like, I think you should train with the smaller, lighter females for two reasons. One, it forces you, or you should, not use your strength. I just want, like, when I roll with that 14-year-old who is amazing, I simply just use technique, and her technique is way better than mine. So it actually makes me better at finding the right grip, at, you know, moving this way, because I, I have to focus on that. And the second part is, Part of why they do this, because I do want to protect them as women, and maybe that's sexist, but I also, I want them to know, like, if, if they're ever in a dangerous situation, it's going to be somebody who is my size or your size who is attacking them. And if they know how to at least fight that guy off and push him off, awesome. I want to help them prepare for that. I agree. Um... Let me preface this. I don't have any issue training with the smaller crowd, training with the women that I do regularly train with, even training with my sister in this aspect. I've trained with her a dozen times. Um, but I think most guys tend to um, have a bit of magnetism to their usual training partner. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, no, I, 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 there's one guy at my gym that I train with because he and I essentially simulate tournament rounds every time we spar. Like, we can go as hard as we want. He can elbow me in the face, knee me yeah. in the stomach. I you don't have care. a guy. We can go hard you as have a guy that you, Yeah. You yeah. have a guy that you regularly, like, pair up with. Yeah, he's, I, I try to mix it up, but I know with him – it's it's a tournament essentially, and we're we're trying to kill each other. And it's actually good to help me get ready for tournaments. But I also know, like training with other women in my gym, training with that kid Andy who is amazing, that actually makes me better because I have to stop and think. Right, I got to do this. All right, I should do this. Not just I'm bigger and stronger, so I can power out of this shit. Like you have to think about the technique. That's exactly what I'm talking about now. You have a guy who you regularly pair up with because you and him are a good matchup, right? Mm -hmm. You guys like, you guys are like the salt and pepper. Yeah. Or whatever you would call. Oil and vinegar, whatever. You guys just end up being like a great role and a great matchup together. You know what I mean? You might get two subs this week, this match. He might get two subs this match. It's really competitive and it's closest thing to competition that you could relate to. Sure. On both aspects. So it's not exactly like that is sexist or that is anti-sexist or anything else like that. It is just this guy literally in the most literal aspect pairs up well with you. Yeah. Like I I I just I want to get better. And part of me getting better is him and I trying to kill each other. But I also know part of me getting better is me focusing on technique and not using strength 
and rolling with the the females, rolling with that kid Andy, who generally actually beats me up because I don't use any of that stuff. So if I can get better, I don't really care who you are, sex, race, age, whatever. If you can help me get better and I can help you get better, fuck it, let's roll. See, that's actually what I mean. And that's what I try to like explain to her. It's nothing more then this particular guy for you just gives you that matchup that you want or need. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, for me, it's a different 6'2 guy, kind of like has the physical nature and the technical nature that actually matches mine well. Um, is it the fact that it's a 6'2", 190-pound guy? No. I mean, probably, actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, so in the fact, of, like, that I'd rather have a match with that guy rather than the 120-pound girl, is that makes it sexist. No, it makes it a physicality thing. Yeah, and my so, thing is... Like, so this is what I try to get across to her. It's like, yeah, there might be sexism... In jiu-jitsu, I don't know. I don't experience it where I'm coming from. All right, most people don't experience it, whatever like that. Maybe she experiences it. But that particular dimension of jujitsu is not sexism. No, like I intentionally, I roll, I roll with leg lockers. I roll with dudes that have like heavy pressure. I roll with dudes that, I roll dudes that like, like bear limbos. Like I, I like, I don't care what your game is. I want to experience all of those different games so I can figure out what the hell do I do when a guy's doing this? Like that's more important or a, a girl, whatever. I want to, because like some people, you know, do cartwheels to pass my guard, whatever. I don't know how to deal with that. So I want to roll with it. Well, you just brought up an interesting cliche that you tried to throw at me earlier. You're a blue belt and a leg locker. I am. Do you compete with leg locks? I do. And so I do more like IBJJF kind of stuff where you're not allowed to reap and it's just basically straight ankle locks. But then I also, I do Naga where the only rules are no slams and no oil checks. And so, yes, I competed with knee bars and heel hooks <laughs> and reaping. You and oil checks. Yeah. <laughs> Right, that's actually, I, I, gotta, I gotta commend you. That's actually your description just there is actually an impressive adaption from what I you typically see as like uh purple belt as a guy who's been around a while. I typically see a lot of blue belts who are going for heel hooks constantly. And I kind of think the entire time, like, no matter how good your heel hook is, you can't use this in competition. Um, I went through the phase myself and I kind of like adapted and become like actually not even an ankle locker. I became like an Achilles locker <laughs> as random as that sounds. <laughs> but now I'm like randomly now I'm obsessed with uh, calf slicers. Those suck. I'm not going to lie. Like I've, I've landed a couple of those. Um, but again, it's I want to learn all of it. And then figure out eventually. I know that I'm at the point where I don't really know what my game is. 
I want to learn all of the parts and then start to figure out all right, this works and this piece works and that piece works rather than just saying, well, I'm really good at half guard and I can sweep you from there and then I can mount you and then I can do an arm triangle. Well, okay, great, but I want to learn everything else too. That's pretty interesting. Here's my question for you. All right, you've been training how long? Two-ish years. What advice would you give a wipeout star tomorrow? Um, I would say this. Um, if you get choked out or you get beat up, so what? Try to learn something from why you got choked out. Try to learn something, learn a little piece of, I probably should have put my arm there. I probably should have put my leg there instead of just going fucking crazy and always focus on, I need to choke this dude out. Instead, focus on, I need to just get better at this little piece and add this piece here and this piece here and this piece here. And then eventually you'll get decent at jujitsu. I'm under no, I'm under like, I'm not under the delusion that I'm eventually going to fight Gordon Ryan. And I'm going to beat him up. Like he will kick my ass until the end of time. But if I can get I'll him. Fight him. I'll fight him right now. I don't care. I would too. And he would probably tap me in like 45 <laughs> seconds. Right. But I, I would probably learn something. Like, I'd be like, dude, the way he took his back was amazing. Like, the way he took my back was amazing. And he kicked my leg out this way. And then he, like, grabbed his shoulder. And then he, like, slipped in. And he had a wedge in the in the rear naked choke. Yeah, I don't someone care. Someone finally said that. I don't care. Like, it's... I'm, not, I'm not trying to fight against Nicky Rudd, right? Or, or the, the, uh, the Rotolo brothers. They would beat me up. But I want to still get better and better and better. That's a good way to look at it. I'm actually glad you actually pointed out the fact that Gordon literally used the gift wrap to rear naked choke for all of ADCC. It was way obvious. Here's a funny story for you. I actually, back when Kazai was doing amateur comps, I registered for Blue Belt Heavyweight and would have ended up in the same division as Nicky Rod. <laughs> Dude, that's scary. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't have that wrestling level that he does, but I actually got injured and I blew up my knee just beforehand and didn't actually get paired up with Nicky <laughs> But yeah. I would have been in the same division as Nicky Rod. Technically, right now, if he does do amateur stuff and not just super fights, I'm still in his division of heavyweight purple belt. Um, I'll take the match. I don't know how confident I am winning that match, but I'll take it. I'll take the match with Gordon right now. Do I know, Do I have confidence in being Gordon? No, but I'll take the match. No, that's my same thing. Like I, I mean, there are many, many people who would beat me up. Nicky Rod would destroy me, right? Because my wrestling sucks. And he would take me down and mount me and then spin me around and take my back and choke me out. Or Gordon or Mikey Musemi, even though he's smaller than me, he would beat my ass. But I would still like to do it because I could probably learn something about how they, how they beat my ass. And so, yeah, let's go for it. Why not? Lucy, well, here's... Here's what I always think 
you're here's what I always think when people ask me my advice for um, white belts. Kind of piggyback off of the statement you just made. Jiu-jitsu is so vast. It literally is. Like, you look at armbar, and then you kind of, like, stick around for a little bit. You're, there's, you're, you're like, holy shit, there's 12 different types of armbars. You know what I mean? You look at heel hook, even. There's inside, outside. And then there's, like, 12 different types of, like, ankle locks and crossovers and entanglements. It's so goddamn vast. It's impressively vast in a positive way, but also in a negative way. So, my advice to wipe out, take one submission, learn every single entry. Don't even go for other submissions. Don't even go for other, like, figure out every single attack. Every single entry, every single transition, everything else like that. It was when I was like probably an early blue belt. My idea was to kind of take one submission monthly and like work that submission. Well, the first like submission I chose was Kamora. I actually didn't actually choose the submission after that. <laughs> it became like this crazy ongoing joke is like uh, Danny someone was waiting for the bathroom and Danny Kamora that um, someone Danny Kamora someone from while being in mouth Danny Kamora someone from while being in triangle Danny Kamora someone while like not even like participating. He was off to the side, like, trying to tape up his fingers, and Danny Kamora and someone... Danny Kamora and someone at the... at the first store with his girlfriend. Danny Kamora and his girlfriend. Darren did this, this, this. And... But, realistically, I became very good at Kamora's. Um... And I think that's kind of the thing to learn. I mean, look at it this way. You watch pro matches, right? We get a good match tonight with Dolph versus Cayenne. Yeah, yeah. Dolph and Cayenne is somewhere. I mean, Rudolph was GB. That's tonight. Is it? Is it tonight? Well, shit. Then we're missing it already. So we should, we should turn it on right now. It's very possible I'm wrong, but I think I think fight to uh, who's number one is tonight. Rudolph was GB. And Kyan Zantos. Yep. Which pros can you even think of that are actually well-rounded and versatile? I mean, Kaiden is getting there. Um, but most of them Kyan's have... Kyan's a good answer. Um, I would say Craig Jones is one of those. Craig Jones has got some pretty impressive judo also. Um... I'm a bit biased with Wagner Rocha, but I think Wagner Rocha is so aggressive like that. But think about it. Most of these pros even have like a single route through line. Yeah, they have they have three or four moves and like, all right, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do this. Exactly. Like, like I interviewed Josh Hinger last week and you know he has a move. It's basically I'm gonna do a snap down. And I'm going to grab the chin, and then I'm going to basically pull a guard to a butterfly sweep, and I'm going to I'm going to guillotine. 
right? Like that's his move. Fine. But he's so good at it that it doesn't matter. Or if he's in side control, he's figured out a way to get around. And Higgers, so, Higgers so technical. It's impressive. Yeah. He's but, like, tech, Higgers like technical and muscle. Yeah. But he still figured out. I don't, I don't care if I'm standing up, if I'm in side control, I'm in mount. I mean, from the bottom side, it doesn't matter. He's going to figure out how to land a guillotine. And I think that's sometimes where people go wrong is they're like, well, this dude, Muchesha, Gordon Ryan, whatever, they're amazing at this. So I'm just going to focus on this. But you got to learn all the other stuff first to set those one or two things up that you can be really good at. Higgers match with Guido, Patrick Guido, really tells a lot about his skill set and really gives you a lot of options for guillotine. Because guillotine is clearly Higgers' route, right? But when you get to the level Higgers gotten to, it's evolved to more than just a route. It's like You can take a position of stage side control, and if your head's running to 3,000 submissions that you have options of right now, then that's too much. If you're dumb as hell, like I am, right, then I take side control, and all I'm seeing is Kimura. Kimura, 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 Kimura. It's like literally what's flashing through my head. It's like if I'm at a bar... And I'm drunk and it's like I'm walking around. I'm just like dance, 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 dance. <laughs> we've all been there. All right? yeah. We've all been to college right. and we've all been there where we're like, you drank too much and you're just like dance. Anyway, all I see is Kimura because I'm dumb as hell. All right. But I'll get that Kimura and I'll force it. Right. If the Kimura doesn't work, I have an armbar option. I have. Uh, omoplata option. I have this option. I have several things to work with here, right? And that's the difference between like figuring it out and figuring out that didn't make sense, but yeah. No, no, I get what you're saying. <laughs> if you get really good at something, you can land it like you said, from side control, from mount, from close guard, from half guard, whatever. And then as people start to escape, you then set up, like, if you're in half guard and you grab the Kimura and then somebody starts to escape, well, what if you grab the other arm and then slide into a Omoplata or something like that, right? Like, but if you can see where it's going to yes. go. What I'm kind of saying, what I'm kind of saying is Higgers, Higgers' well-rounded game was developed off of going for strictly Kimuras. Not, not my bad, my bad. That's absolutely my bad. Guillotine. Guillotines. Yeah. Higgers game started with guillotines and developed after guillotines. Him going for guillotines in every situation like that kind of developed his game off of guillotines. In my aspect, my game was developed off of Morris. In John Clandestine's aspect, it was developed off of heel hooks. In Craig Jones's aspect, it was developed off of this is where it gets complicated. Either heel hooks or real naked chokes. You know what I mean by that. <laughs> yeah. No, because you, you, you roll to X and then you either grab the heel hook or you kick the leg out and then you grab the dude's back. 
his game is more well-rounded than people give him credit for. Yeah, for sure. Um, who's your favorite grappler to watch? Um, notice I notice my statement is to watch. Yeah. Versus like, who's your favorite grappler? I know you're like, UGB guys are pressured into saying Rodolfo or um, who's the three diamond guy? Like Flavio or Everyday Piranha. Oh, oh, uh, <laughs> Hamala. Yay. <laughs> so yes, they are they are all awesome, but I'll like honestly, I like I on two aspects. I like watching Gordon grapple and I like all the shit he talks because he's like, I'm gonna fuck you up. And I'm going to beat your ass. And then he goes out there. I think he uses that as kind of energy to force himself to then go beat that dude up. He's beautiful, technique. As much as like I, as much as like I hated watching him like sub out Gary and sub out Legend Giles, that was a beautiful technique. I mean, it was almost like the most brilliant game plan for ADCC was strictly work the rear naked choke from gift wrap. Absolutely brilliant. I did nothing away from that. Um whether I dislike the guy personally or not, I saw a brilliant technique is what I saw. Yeah. Regardless of how much he talks, he's really, really good yeah. at it. I mean that's the way we gotta look at it. Look, you could dislike someone or anything else like that, but me and you as jujitsu guys who've been around for a bit, we see technique and we're like, God damn, that was beautiful technique. I, I mean, wish I could do that. You saw Latching Giles ankle lock. You saw Latching Giles heel hook, Patrick Guido, then Kyan Durante, and then um, I think it was Muhammad Ali, Muhammad right? Ali, yeah. Those were the three names, right? I think so, yeah. I might have one of them wrong. But you saw that heel hook combination and you were like, God damn, that is brilliant technique. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, all right, so I have a question so, for you. So you are obviously all of our mother's favorite grapplers. Who are your favorite grapplers? Like top two or three. <laughs> uh, what's the actual question? All right, so the question is, who are your favorite grapplers? I'm here's a funny story of where that came from. I'm a big comic book nerd and in a nerd group. I started a thread about appropriate your mom jokes. And it kind of like really elaborated into like really my favorite conversation on social media about like, yeah. Your mom's really an awful cook, but she tries real hard. And that's extremely admirable. <laughs> and things like that. These appropriate mom jokes just became like my favorite thing on the internet. That's where your mom's favorite grappler came from. So, like I said, we... It's just like kind of a catchy, like, phrase. No, like I said, like all of our mothers, you are their favorite grappler. But who who do you kind of look up to, or who are, <laughs> who are some of your like favorite jujitsu guys? Look up, um, 
just like as a sign off or whatever like that because we you've been like kind of like having great discussions about jujitsu right now. Honestly, it's been fun. It's been great. Um, I'm Danny Patrick, BJJ, formerly known as Danny Patrick ESQ. Your mom's favorite grappler is what I call myself. Um, I have a podcast in, let's see, two, three-ish hours. I don't know. I can't do the math off of, what, 837? Yeah. And it's at 11. Um, our podcast is, my BJJ is okay. Danny Patrick BJJ and Jits Bitch. It's called Distracting Cleavage because honestly, we didn't come up with a better name. <laughs> All right, so I have, a, I have a question for you. So you're obviously like a BJJ memer. Do Ask me have, whatever you want. Do you have any rivalries with the other BJJ memers like Jits Dick, <laughs> Jitsu, or like, do you guys like fight back and forth? Uh, I talk so much shit on these pages. I'm like the king troll. Um, as far as, I'll tell you this, I'll put it this way. My favorite page is still to this day, Filthy Finger Breakers. I love that Australian madman. He stopped jujitsu maiming, but I absolutely love that guy who had no intentions of doing anything but wrist locking every single person who disagreed with him. Um, I love him. I am a huge fan of Inkigori Entanglement, who, which literally means dick entanglement. I'm a huge fan of B my BJJ is okay. I'm a huge fan of Jits Bitch. Um, as far as rivalries go, um, Jason Chambers. Text Jitsu like, expects me to say his name right here, but I don't. But I'm not going to. He knows what I'm talking about. Um, he's my boy, but we have like this little like, you know what I mean? Like if if two penises were trying to scissor. Yeah, it's a friendly rivalry. That makes absolutely no sense. You can't agree to that. <laughs> I mean, I, I sort of knew what you were talking about. Um. <laughs> Takes you to, um, I love you, bad. But yeah, it's like two dicks trying to scissor. Um, as far as rivalries go, I pulled out a ton of pages. They know exactly who they are behind the scenes because I find them pretty good. And they don't think that's the thing in jiu-jitsu. Whether you're a black belt, a white belt, or a blue belt, if you're creeping in girls' DMs, you are my beef. Right? I'm going to make sure you fucking sleep in the dirt in the aspect of social media. I put it that way. As far as rivalries go, Jason Chambers or Nicky Rod. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> <laughs> go big, right? All right. So I have a question for you. So you're funny as shit online, and now we've done a podcast, and you're funny as shit in person. What's kind of next for you in this I'm a really funny jujitsu guy kind of world? Are you going to do stand-up? Do you have a YouTube channel? Like, where, where are you headed next? Um, next? I mean, I think you have the obvious answer is brown belt. <laughs> All right? <Okay. laughs> um... 
that's what I think about. Um, hmm. I drop more shirts. I mean, I have your mom's favorite grappler. I have your mom versus everyone. I drop more shirts. I'll make memes. I mean, the way I look at memes is challenging myself. Having an artistic background, acting, doing stand-up, selling art and stuff like that. I'm in competition. I literally make memes that make me fun, that make me laugh. Um, that's the way I see it. Um, that's basically it. I'm just having fun. When it no longer becomes fun, that's when I'm no longer interested. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, the good news is you're still funny as shit. And like I said, like, at a, when I'm sitting at the office or like I have like a rough day at work, I'll just like crack it open, cuck open Instagram and look at you and be like, all right, I got a good laugh because he made some kind of ridiculous shit. And so I can laugh and I can move forward with my day. That's that's awesome. So it, it totally helps. I mean, that's what I like. Let me like take your mind off of like shit for the day. If you're having a rough day and you're thinking about like grabbing a drink or whatever, smoking crack. If you're thinking about smoking crack and my meme stops you from smoking crack, then I won. Yes. So you heard it here first. <laughs> right. From, you, heard it, yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first from your mom's favorite grappler. Do not smoke crack. Instead, watch one of his memes. Right. He's hilarious. So definitely follow him. So 